0: Hey, think about this a minute. Have you ever had a happier day than the day that Jesus washed all your sins away forever and ever and ever? Huh? Is there any happier day? And uh, doesn't it last forever and ever and ever? You know, what a great day. Thanks so much to Levan and uh, the expanded Vonettes here. <laughs> well, if you've been uh, with us for a while, you know that we've uh, been talking about the fact that when a person becomes a Christian... They're actually given a whole new identity by God. Uh, God actually adopts us into his family. He pays for all of our sins. He washes all of our sins away. And uh, we end up with this new identity as sons and daughters of the living God. But I want to suggest to you this morning that um, what's necessary in order for any of us to um, actually change, to actually embrace this new identity to actually live in this new identity, what's necessary for any of us is for our awareness of ourselves to change. Our awareness of ourselves. Because if we, even though we're intellectually, we embrace this fact that God has given us a new identity, unless we really believe it down in our hearts, we don't tend to then live in this new identity. Identity that God has given us. And I want to say that at the heart of awareness is the issue of faith or belief. That the key to becoming aware of who we really are in Christ is our faith or our trust or our belief in God. Is God really telling me the truth? Am I really now an adopted son of, of the living God? Do I, Are my sins really all washed away? Do I not have to worry about that anymore? Am I confident that my eternity is secure. Do I believe God? Because God is generous, right? God's a giver. He's not a taker. When God sent Jesus into the world, he didn't say, you know, I want you to go down there and collect all the debt from all the sins of all the people. When God sent Jesus into the world, you know, the Bible tells us God so loved us that he gave. God's a giver. He's not a taker. So many people get this kind of basic core wrong god's a giver god is generous and our identity is rooted in the generosity of god god gave us his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him wouldn't perish but would have this everlasting life and that's us if we're christians if we're uh, trusting what god has to say and so everything we have i mean including life itself comes from the generous hand of god Everything that is, is God's. He created it all, and it is. Uh, Everything I possess, he owns, right? Including my life, because he gave it to me. And so, uh, for example, Psalm 24, the very first verse says this, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The whole earth, all the planets, and everything that's in it is all the Lord's, right? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and those who dwell in it, us, we belong to him. We belong to him. Everything we possess, he owns. Uh, Chronicles, way back in the the book of Chronicles, David is praying to God and, and David says this He says, For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom. We don't really own anything, God owns everything. All right? It's all yours. Both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And in your hand, it is to make great and to give strength to all. Who we are is the direct result of God and his involvement in our lives. Everything we have is from him and belongs to him. And when we get over into the New Testament, uh, same thing, James, a letter to James, you know, on James, the very first chapter, verse 16 says, look, don't be deceived about this. Don't be fooled about this one thing. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise, okay? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It all comes from God. Anything that's worth having. Every good gift in your life comes from God, right? Comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow to change. Everything we have, everything that is, comes from him. And so when the Apostle Paul... Uh, writes to remind Pastor Timothy, who he leaves in Ephesus, Okay, he says to him in uh, 1 Timothy 6, verse 7, he says, Remind the people that they came into the world with nothing, and they're leaving with nothing. Remind the people that when they came into the world, they had nothing, and when they leave, they'll have nothing. But in between the time you're born and the time you die, God is going to entrust us, With time, talent, treasure, touch, other people, and truth. And God intends for us to manage time, talent, treasure, our relationships with other people, our touch with other people's lives, and truth. He expects to manage. We come in with nothing, we leave with nothing, but in the meantime, we are entrusted with what God entrusts to us. And we're to manage it. We're like trustees, right? And so I think it's very important for us to know why. Why has God entrusted to you the time, the talent, the treasure, the the people, the touch, and the truth that he has? Every one of us is a a, a product of a combination of those five uh, investments by God in our lives. We all have a measure of all five of those things. And we're like trustees. We're not going to take it with us. We're not going to... You know, we didn't come with it and so forth. So why has God given us these five things? And I think if we misunderstand why God entrusts this stuff to us, uh, then Paul says to uh, Timothy, he says, you know, there's two tendencies if we forget why we have this stuff. One is to become haughty or arrogant, like we got this stuff and it's all from us. And the other is to misplace our hope. Instead of keeping our hope in God, we put our hope in God's stuff, in the gifts that he gives us instead of in the giver. And there's those two tendencies if we don't understand why God has entrusted this stuff to us. And so 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17, you know, uh, Paul tells Timothy, you tell these people in Ephesus there, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. Don't become arrogant, okay? And don't set your hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything. God is the one who richly provides us with with everything. And look, by the way, to enjoy. God supplies us with everything richly to enjoy. Not to feel guilty over what he entrusts to us. Not to be careless over, not to be cavalier, but to enjoy, to evaluate and to enjoy and to figure out how we can use that uh, in order that we might experience that enjoyment that God richly provides us with everything for. And so we have to understand why. And uh, our text this morning teaches us how, but before that, I think we need to understand why. And so, you know, Jesus told a story about a guy who totally misunderstood why God entrusted to him what he did. And uh, I want to just relate that story to you as we begin this morning, because this guy made the mistake of thinking that everything that God entrusted to him between when he was born and when he died was for him. He really thought that everything God blessed him with in his life was for him. He just assumed that God loved him and that God wanted to bless him. And uh, so he assumed that everything was His. And so uh, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus was preaching. And, uh, you know, I kind of have this vision in my mind of Jesus preaching on this occasion, kind of like one of the um, uh, presidential candidates holding a town hall meeting, right? And uh, you ever watch those things? And, you know, he's talking away, and the next thing, somebody in the crowd just interrupts, and they've got some issue they want to bring to the surface and so forth. And so Jesus is teaching, and right in the middle of his teaching, some guy in the crowd just says, hey, he says, you know, tell my brother. He's got my stuff, and I want you to straighten my brother out. Tell him he's got to give me half of the inheritance. And Jesus then tells this story. He says in uh, uh, verse 15 or verse 16 of uh, Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells this parable. He says, the land of a certain rich man, okay, produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, you know, what am I going to do? For I have nowhere to store all my crops. And he said, I know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build larger ones. And and then I'm going to store all my grain and my goods. And I am going to say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And so let me make a couple observations from this passage. First of all, you'll notice that this guy was already rich, right? The land of a certain rich man. So I've been trying for the last couple of weeks to convince you that you are rich, okay? Uh, we live in the richest nation in the world. and We live probably in the richest section of the richest nation of the world. And, uh, you know, I've been trying to convince you that you're in the top 1% of the world population, you still don't believe me. I can tell by the looks on your faces, but I've been trying to do it. And, um, and so, like this guy, this guy was already rich, and then he has a good year, right? Look what it says. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. The guy sat down to do his income taxes, and he realized, oh, my goodness, I made more than I thought. I have extra. I really had a good year. This is great. And so he does, I think, what many of us do. Uh, look what he does in verse 17. It says, he consulted with himself. He had a conversation with himself. Right? That's what he did. He said, i got to think about this. I'm going to consult with myself. I'm going to talk. have a little talk with myself. What am I going to do? How am I going to hold on to everything? Uh, he makes the assumption, like most of us do, that this is for me. All this stuff that God has entrusted to me, my time, my talent, my treasure, you know, my uh, touch, the people in my life, the the truth that he gives to me and so forth, it's all for me. How am I going to hold on to everything? And he gets a plan. He says, I'm going to build a bigger barn. I'm going to buy some more real estate. I'm going to expand my business. This guy's a good American guy, right? He's not a slacker. He's not lazy, you know he's just an entrepreneurial guy he's you know working hard worker you know and he's like i like this guy right he's gonna he's gonna move forward he's gonna expand his portfolio you know and uh you notice in verse 18 though he he is it's all about me verse 18 he says i will do this i will tear down my barns i'm going to build larger ones and then i will store all my grain and my goods and and i'll say to my soul soul and so forth it's all he, he made a bad assumption he thought that everything he had between the nursery and the nursing home was for him. He made a mistake. He made a bad decision. And so, uh, here's the bummer. Jesus goes on with the story, verse 20. Look what he says. But God. But God. But God. Now, if I'm this guy, I'm saying to myself, oh, my goodness, I forgot to consult with God. I forgot to consult with the owner of everything. I forgot to consult. I forgot to ask God why He entrusted more to me. I forgot to ask God if He had plans for His riches. But God, right? And look what God says. You know what God says to this guy? You're a knucklehead. Really? That's the Greek, you know, translated into English. It says here in um, verse 20, but God said to him, Fool. Now I'm telling you, God does not call very many people fools. God made people. He created them. He loves them. He sacrificed his son for them. God does not call many people fool, knucklehead. But God calls this guy a fool, a knucklehead. And you think about this. When I, um, when I found out I needed um, surgery for my heart, I found out really by accident And uh, when it was all over, and and I looked back and so forth, I I realized, you know, God has extended my time. He's given me more time. I I felt like this guy because I'm already rich in time. My mother died when she was 47. Most of you know that. But when I turned 67, I thought, I've already had 20 years more than my mom ever had of time. And now I had a surgery, and now... You know, I've got more time, extended time. I feel like this guy, like I was already rich in time, and now I've got more. And I've been asking the question, why have you given me this time? What am I supposed to do? Should I make the assumption it's all for me and buy a Corvette and just drive around for the next 20 years? <laughs> See, I would be a knucklehead, right? Right? Because God has given me this extra time, and I'm still asking. You know, I can't assume it's, it's just for me. And we assume so often that what God gives us is, is all for ourselves, try to hold on to everything until we die. And then God says, oh, man, you're such a knucklehead. Look at this, verse 20. He goes on. God says to him, fool, this night your soul's going to be required. You're going to die tonight. Now, that's going to happen to all of us one of these nights. Right? It's going to happen to all of us. And and so this night, your soul is going to be required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? Now listen, soul is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And I think to myself, I want to be rich toward God. I want to die rich toward God. I really do. Don't you? Don't you want to die rich toward God? Because after we die, that's who we're going to meet, and that's where we're going to be. And so I want to be rich, and I want to die rich, and I want to die rich toward God. What does it mean to be rich toward God? And i suggest to you that in our text for this morning, as Paul instructs Timothy to instruct the Ephesian people and us There are two things that God says we need to do if we're to be rich toward him. Two things, and they come down to one word, but two things that our text brings to us this morning as to how it is that we can be rich toward God and protect ourselves from becoming knuckleheads, uh, to immune ourselves from putting our hope in the wrong things. And they're both summed up in this word, generosity, generosity. You know, generosity is not so much what God wants from us as what God wants for us. And I know you don't believe that either. Generosity, when it's talked about in the Bible, what our theme verse for this year, 2 Corinthians nine one one, one right? 9-11. 2 Corinthians nine eleven says you, God's making a promise. You will be enriched in every way for all your generosity. You either believe it or you don't. You either say, if I move forward and as an uh, adopted son or daughter of the living God with generosity, God is waiting to enrich my life in every way. God will enrich our lives for our generosity. That's our our theme verse, right? And so these two things uh, come to the surface in our text for this morning. Um, Paul tells Timothy to tell the people two things. uh, Verse 18 of 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, um, tell them that they're to do good, do good and be rich in good works, serve and to be generous and ready to share, serve and share. Tell the people that if they don't want to become haughty and they don't want to misplace their hope in their gifts and riches, that they're to serve and to share and to do it generously. Generously. To serve and to share. And uh, I'd like to just kind of unpack and think about these two things this morning. To be, um, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to serve God and to serve people, and to be generous and to be ready to share. And when you serve and you share, you become rich toward God. You become rich toward God. Uh, you cannot, Jesus said, give a cup of cold water to somebody in Jesus' name and God not know about it. When you serve and you share in Jesus' name, God knows. Right? Remember Matthew 25? She said, You give a cup of cold water to somebody in my name, and you'll be rewarded for it. You cannot do something serving and sharing without God knowing about it. And so, um, notice this. The next verse says, uh, Not only that, but when you serve and share, you know what you're really doing? Verse 19, you're storing up treasure for yourself as a good foundation for your own future. Now, I know that when we serve and when we share, and especially when we do it generously, remember what we said, the difference between a giving person and a generous person is the element of sacrifice, right? The difference between a giving person and a generous person is sacrifice. If I give my wife some time she appreciates it, but if she knows that I'd so much rather be doing something else and still give her the time, and it's a sacrifice, she knows she's loved. There's a world of difference between being a giving a person and a generous person. And I know that when we're generous, it feels like we're losing, but God says, do not trust your feelings. What you're really doing is investing for your future. When you're generous, you think we're losing. Right? It feels like that. It feels like, wow, I could have done my own thing, and now I'm doing this thing. you know? And it's a loss. But God says, no, no, no. It's an investment. You're building a foundation for your future. It's a way to become rich with God, rich uh, toward God. And uh, I think it's important for us to uh, understand this, that when we talk about generosity, it's not what God wants from us. It's really what God has for us on the other side of us uh, being his representatives of his generosity. And we're actually investing for our future. We're becoming rich uh, toward God. And in this process, we're finding uh, you know, um, finding the life that everybody's looking for. Look at the last part of that, verse 19. It says, you know, storing up treasure for ourselves is a good foundation for the future so that we may take hold of that which is truly life. The life that everybody's looking for, they think, is about holding on to everything you can get, like the guy in Jesus' story. And God says, no, the life that people are looking for is a life of serving and sharing to the end that you, as representatives of this generous God, would expand the kingdom of God into our world. What a difference. And the question is do we believe it? Do we trust Him, you know? Uh, by holding on to as much as we can, basically we become knuckleheads. Right? We basically become knuckleheads. And uh, you might remember in um, Luke chapter 9, Jesus says it like this says the same thing, but he says, If anybody would come after me, if anybody wants to be a Christian, if anybody wants to be a disciple, if anybody wants to be a God first believer, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself sacrifice. And take up his cross. The cross is an instrument of death. Let him start dying to pieces of himself so that he can be generous, so that he can find life, so that he can invest for his eternal life, so that he can die rich toward me. For whoever would save his life is going to lose it. You try to hold on to it, you're going to lose it, right? But whoever loses his life for my sake is going to save it, is going to find it. For what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lost his own life, lost his own soul? What would you have gained? What if between the the nursery and the nursing home, you gain everything? But then you leave it all here. What have you gained? And that's the question that that Jesus asks us. And so uh, this guy uh, in Luke chapter 12, you know, he consults with himself, he decides on a plan, he ignores God, and he and, and asks him, like, what are you going to do after you build bigger barns and after you gain the whole world? And uh, he says, this is, you know, verse 19, he says, I'm going to say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Can I tell you, Jesus came into the world to serve, not to be served. This guy is into the world to relax, eat, drink, and be merry. His goal in life, Jesus' goal in life was to give of himself sacrificially. And he ends up dying on a cross. The goal of this guy's life was to find a way to enjoy life, to find the life that everybody's looking for, to find a way to be able to eat, drink, and enjoy life. And again, I think there's a world of difference between being a giving And uh, a generous person. And so serving and doing good. Being rich in good deeds. Serving, uh, I think when we serve other people, it reduces the pull towards haughtiness or towards arrogance. Because why? Because serving is other-centered and not self-centered. When you're serving and you get involved with people, I can tell you, it's always messy. It always takes more than you think it's going to take to get involved. It, It always turns messy. Right? This side of heaven. It just does. And so you become so others-focused that you, you just don't have time to worry about yourself after a while. You have to trust God to worry about you. And uh, all of a sudden, that temptation towards haughtiness or the temptation to put our trust in the gifts instead of the giver, in, in, in the stuff that God entrusts to us instead of in God himself, uh, goes away because uh, we're involved in doing good and, and serving. You can't serve very much before you end up having to share. Um, What if God really gave you your life and between, you know, the nursery and the nursing home entrusted time, talent, treasure, you know, people and um, truth to you because he actually has a plan. Uh, I don't know. uh, In Ephesians, there's a great verse in Ephesians 2.10 where uh, I don't know if you've ever really thought about this personally, but here's what God said to these people. He said, we are his Workmanship, the amount of time, talent, treasure, uh, touch, and truth that you have is, is the, you're a piece of work is what this verse says. <laughs> you're a piece of work. God has very carefully put together the time, the talent, the treasure, given you the parents, given you the experience, given you, you are a piece of work is what God is saying, right? You, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Do good works for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God had a plan. The events of your life are orchestrated in such a way that you are fit for the work. I think Levon found his work. Would you agree? See? And he's got, he used his time, his talent, you know, his treasure and so forth. And we all are Blessed. Everybody has that from God. If we're God's children and we're adopted into God's family, we are his workmanship and God has a plan for us to be able to use our time and our talent and our treasure and our touch, our uh, influence on other people uh, and our truth in such a way that we advance his cause. And I want to say, you know, there are so many ways to serve. There's a gazillion ways to serve, to serve God and to serve other people. And I believe that serving really is one of the ways that God grows your faith. Here's the thing in every relationship that's worth having, the core issue is always trust or belief or faith. Right? I always say to people, you know, if I didn't trust my wife, I I couldn't be married to her. I have to be able to trust, right? In every relationship that's worth anything, at the core of it is this idea of belief or trust or faith in the other person. And it's especially true with God. I can't have a relationship with God if I can't trust him. And if God tells me that he's going to enrich my life in every way as a result of my generosity, I have to decide, do I trust him or not? And if one of the ways that he grows that trust and grows that faith is when I am willing to serve. When I'm willing to serve, and and there's, again, so many ways. Go on a missions trip, you know, and go serve a group of people for a week uh, in some other country, and I guarantee you it'll change your life. I guarantee it. I guarantee you will, uh, the, the confidence in God will go up. Your confidence in God. Your faith will uh, go up. Um, teach a third grade Sunday school class. Put yourself into some environment where God has to come through or you'll fail on your face. And I guarantee you what will happen. Your faith will go up. Your faith will grow through serving. It's one of the ways that God uses uh, through serving. Um, take on a ministry that, that demands some sacrifice. You know, Own a coffee hour for once a month. You know, if, you have a, if you're the kind of person that has a passion for people to be able to meet other people in some kind of environment where they can meet new people because you really believe that one of the other ways God grows faith is when uh, there are uh, relationships that come in and out of your life that make a deposit in your life. Isn't that one of the ways? My faith is grown by a number of different people who've come in and out of my life over the years of my life. It's one of the ways God grows faith. All of a sudden you bounce into this person, and you know, and if you're one of those people who believes that, why don't you just own a coffee hour? Make a sacrifice. You know, make it happen. Create an environment where people can hang out and meet each other because those people are going to influence each other in a way that's going to cause the kingdom to grow. This is a gazillion ways to serve. But it's sacrifice, isn't it? Oh, I'd have to get up early. What if it snows? What if I, you know, my toe hurts that morning? You know, and on and on. I think I've heard just about all of it, right? Um, take on a ministry for which you feel unprepared. Like, like you really have to depend on God to make this happen, to, to see it come through. And then hang in there. Right? And hang in there. You know, put, put up some money for some kingdom advancing project. Our missionaries, they're always, they got all these projects going on all the time, you know? They need help. And if God blesses you with some extra money and you say, I don't know what to do with it, you know, don't consult just with yourself. Consult with God and, and put some money towards some of those projects that advance his cause and, and his kingdom. Maybe that's why he gave it to you, you know. And when you have a passion in that area and you commit yourself to move forward and to serve, I guarantee that your your faith will expand. Your confidence in God will grow. And again, faith or trust is at the core of every relationship that's worth anything. When you're serious about the well-being of other people, you simply have less time to worry about yourself. One of the the books that I read in preparation for this series um, had a a little section on uh, this and it talk, in the book, it talked about, um, you know, doing good and being rich in good works. And the book made a profound point. It said, in order to do good, you have to do something. <laughs> it's amazing. I paid money for this book, right? In order, <clears throat> in order to do good, you actually have to do something. Now, I thought, you know, that's brilliant. Um, it's not... Thinking about doing good. It's not becoming aware of opportunities to do good, right? Um, It's not offering to do good. You ever do this? You ever, you know, somebody's a friend of yours and they're sick and they're in the hospital or something and, and you go to visit them and you say, hey, if you need anything, just call me. And you mean it. You're really sincere about it. But here's what you're doing. You're promising everything and doing nothing. Isn't that right? You're promising everything and it feels good for you. Wow, I'm offering to do anything you want. Has anybody ever called you and and asked you to do something like that? Something significant? That's why I like small groups because, you know, if you're in a small group and you, you know, if you just come to church in and out, you know, every Sunday, you don't really get to know folks very well. But if you get in a small group and 10, 12 people, you get to know those people, something happens in their life, you know exactly what will be helpful to them. You know exactly how to do good deeds to them because you know them, you know where they're at, you know where their their life is at, you know what their concerns are, you know what their values are and and so forth. And so, you know, uh, sometimes when we... And I think we mean it. You know, we, we really, we offer everything, but we do nothing. It's like getting a, a blank check, and you're all excited, except then you notice, oh shoot, it's not signed. When I was sick, you know, and, and I know folks, and they, they mean it. They're like, you know, if you need anything, Dave, just call me. I didn't call any of those people. I, I was high on drugs. <laughs> I couldn't have even found their phone number, Right. I can't call you. You've got to figure out what I need. There was another group of people. You know what? They showed up one Saturday at my house, and, and, and somebody had a trailer load of firewood, and somebody else had a pickup load of firewood. They didn't ask any questions. They didn't ask me if I wanted it, nothing. They just came and put it on my porch. And I'm like, oh, this is great. I ought to think about being sick more often. <laughs> you see, but they knew what to do. They, they do good. In order to do good, you got to do something. Even if you just write a note on a napkin in a restaurant and hand it to somebody. It's more than saying, you know, anything you need, just call me. Usually people can't think. And usually people aren't going to call to ask you to do something significant in their lives. Um... Usually we just need to do the thinking for them. We need to take that on ourselves and be creative and figure out how I could say I love you, you know, and and communicate that with people. So do good, and then uh, serving is doing good and being rich in good works, and then sharing. You know, look what it says there. Be generous and ready to share. Time, talent, treasure, touch, getting involved with people, and truth. Uh, Be ready to share. Be generous To share. Being generous, you know, I think makes the difference between living a fearful life or a cheerful life. You know what? If you're not generous, if you're like the guy in Jesus' story and and the goal of your life is to hold on to everything so you can chill out and relax at the end. And if that's like the whole goal, you know what? You live your whole life fearful. You're always locking the door. You're always afraid somebody's going to steal something from you. You're always afraid that, you know, something, you're going to lose something. You don't trust anybody. You're holding on to everything you can. You live a fearful life. If you're like Jesus and you come into the world and you say, oh, I'm here to serve, not to be served. I'm here to give and to be generous and to represent my Father in heaven who is the source of my identity, who is overwhelmingly generous to me. Oh, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. I've got to represent him to the world. I want to be like him. And then you can have a cheerful life. You can go through life and you can understand that I'm not taking anything with me. Everything I have is to be distributed. Sooner or later, right? I always tell people, look, do your giving while you're living, so you'll be knowing where it's going. (laughs) You ever think about that? Do your giving while you're living, because I've done enough funerals to know what happens if you leave some stuff behind and you don't, you know, define what you want to have happen to it specifically. It creates fights and ruins families and all the rest of it. Do your giving while you're living so you can be knowing where it's going. You know, and uh, that's why God has given to us so that we might be generous and and that we might share and that we might live a cheerful life. Uh, When it comes to being generous and sharing, you know, um, whenever we're prompted by God to be generous and to share, when when that happens, and we all, you know, if you're a believer, God prompts you, uh, the spirit, you know, kind of puts this on you and this idea comes into your head. Usually Christians don't say no to their father in heaven. God prompts you to do something we usually don't say no. You know what we say? Later. Later. I really want to be generous. I really want to do what you want. I really do trust you that you're going to, you know, be generous to me back when I'm generous to you and, and so on. But uh, uh, later. You see, uh, I'm in college now. I don't, I don't have any money. I got loans to pay off and stuff. And so, you know, later, okay, later. And a few years go by, and uh, all of a sudden now I've got a job, and God comes knocking again, and he's like, "Hey, you're working now?" you know? Yeah, but you know, all of my time, my talent, my treasure, my involvement with people, my truth, it's all focused on getting established in this job, and so I want to be generous, but later, later. A few more years go by, and, oh man, now I'm married. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm saving for a house. I've got to have some place to live, and, and I really want to be generous, you know, but later. A few more years go by, God's back. Oh, we got kids. <laughs> kids, you know about kids. They're expensive. They got to go to college. We're saving for college. I, I really want to be generous, but later. Later. And a few more years go by, and all of a sudden I'm sick. I got all these doctor bills. God, you understand? You know, you allowed this to happen to me. I really want to be generous, but you know, later, later, a few more years go by, start thinking, it's time to retire, I don't know if I have enough money to retire on, got to start saving, you know, God comes around again, it's like, later, you know what God says eventually, knucklehead, (laughs) knucklehead, tonight, your soul is going to be required. You didn't understand that if you'd have started when you were in college and all the way through would have been my representative and been generous, I would enrich your life in every way all the way through. I want to bless you. I want to give to you. Time, talent, treasure, touch, truth. If you'd be generous, I would be. Who hasn't had the experience of trying to share the truth that God's entrusted to you with somebody? And in the process of that, you've had to go back to God and learn a deeper principle to be able to answer the person you're talking to. That's how God wants to be generous to us. Put yourself in a position that's a stretch where you have to depend upon God and you've got to go back and get deeper answers. Hey, I don't know what the answer to that question is, but I will go find out and get back to you. And then you go off with your Bible and you research and you figure it out and all of a sudden your own faith is enhanced. It's that way with all five things. With all five uh, of these gifts that God gives to us, you know, you will be enriched in every way for all your generosity. God is watching the whole time. He's waiting to enrich us. Generosity is not so much about what God wants from us, but what he wants for us. If we would only believe him, it's really a matter of faith and trust between us and God. Uh, Life you know, can go right by and we can miss out completely on what God wants to do now. Here's a conclusion to all of this. Um, Study after study has shown, okay, uh, and I could quote some studies and so forth, uh, that the richer we become, the less generous we are. I don't know why this is. Well, I do know why it is. The richer we become, the less generous we are. The richer we become, the more we think that we need more. The richer that God makes us, the more we think that we need more. And then we become so consumed about getting rich that we don't realize that we're already rich, uh, that we've already arrived, and that it should make us grateful and generous and responsible with God's stuff. So Gallup did a poll, the George Gallup outfit. They did a poll not so long ago. And uh, they asked the question of all different levels of wage earners to define your definition of rich. What's rich? And the most interesting thing, they found out that no matter what level of income you're at, you always think rich is, a, is roughly twice as much as what you make. So if you make $30,000 a year, you think rich would be $60,000. If you make 60000 you think to be rich, you would need $120,000. If you make $120,000, you think, you know, in order to be really rich, I would have to make $250,000. If you make 250000 you think, I need a half a million to really be rich. Isn't that interesting? Like, no matter what level you're at, if you were to find what you think is rich, it's always roughly double of whatever you have. And I think I know the reason why that is. Proverbs chapter 18 has this great verse. Proverbs 18 verse 11 says this. It says, a rich man's wealth is his strong city. A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall, listen, in his imagination. (laughs) In his imagination. Isn't that a great verse? A rich person thinks that their wealth is their security. It's exactly what Paul says in Timothy. He says, you know, teach people not to put their hope in their stuff, but in the God who gives the stuff. When you put your hope in the stuff that you have, the time, talent, treasure, and people, and and truth, and so forth, when you put your hope in that stuff instead of in God, in your imagination, you're very secure. But it's only in your imagination. There is no amount of money that can protect you from the things that can happen to you spiritually, and that can take away your eternal life, your spiritual life, right? There's no amount of money that can secure you Uh, against that. And so uh, put your hope in God. Uh, If we uh, really put our hope in God, I wonder, you know, people think that because in my imagination, the more money I have, the more safe or the more secure I am for the future. What if you were to listen to this and actually put your hope in God and say to yourself, you know, because my hope's in God, the more of God that I have in my life, the more secure and the more safe I'll be in the future. Instead of having money there or having time there or other people there or talent there, what if I said, wow, the more I have a God, I would die rich toward God. I really would. Because I'm saying the more of God I have, the safer I am. The more secure I am. The more my eternal life is uh, wrapped up and and secure. And... uh, I, I don't know that you, you realize, but the richest 1% of Americans today in terms of the income of the richest top 1% of America is more income than the total income of a country like France or Italy. Now just think about that. The, the income, the 1%, the top 1% of wage earners in America, is they, they take in more than a whole country of people like France or Italy, It blows blows my mind to think that. We really are rich in comparison to the rest of the world. And so in Proverbs, uh, let me just close with this. In Proverbs chapter 30, uh, there's a guy by the name of Augur, and um, he prays to God, and he wants two things before he dies. This is really cool. I don't know if you've ever read this or not or thought about it, but uh, he's praying, and he says, two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. I want two things before I die. And number one, uh, remove far from me falsehood and lying. I want to be honest. I want to have integrity. I want to die with integrity. I want to I wa- I be honest. I, wanna, I want the truth about, you know, I, I want to live the truth, right? That's the first thing. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. I don't want to be rich and I don't want to be poor, Right? Give me neither poverty nor riches. Just feed me with the food that's needful. Meet my needs. Give me this day my daily bread. Just give me what I need, okay? Because I'm afraid that if I were rich and I were so full, I would deny you. I would say, who's God? Look at me. I got everything I need. I don't need God. I don't want to ever get to that place in my life, this guy is saying, right? And, uh, and if I was poor, I'm afraid I might steal, and then I would bring down the name of God. I would profane the name of God. If my family was hungry, I might go out and steal to feed them, and, and I don't want to be so poor that I would be in that spot because I would be tempted. This guy's aware of himself. He knows what would happen. You see? And I think, what a great prayer. I want to die rich toward God. I want to die with integrity. I want to be honest. And I want to die neither rich nor poor. I want to honor God with my life. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, again, we pause here to thank you for the new identity that you've given to us when we become Christians. That you uh, take us into your family. You adopt us. We become your children. We become representatives of you and the world in which we live. You're such a generous God. You supply all of our needs. Uh, You take us in and love us, Father, with uh, unconditional love. And you pay for all of our sins. You wash our sins away. What a great day it is when we become a Christian. And Father, then, uh, as representatives of you in this world, you invite us to live generously. To live by serving and sharing. And when I think about uh, us here in Fairfield County, and I think about how it is that the more we have, the more we try to hold on to what we have, Uh, What a difference it would be if there was a group of people who kind of fanned out over Fairfield County uh, looking to be generous and to give away their time and their talent and their treasure and their touch and their truth rather than trying to hold on to everything. And what a difference, What what an evangelistic tool. And I think about the early church and how the early church was generous and compassionate with one another. And I wonder, Father, if it wasn't so much uh, the theology of the early church, but the generosity of the people who had been forgiven and who had been graced by the riches of your grace and who were in turn out to distribute it around the world. If that wasn't the compelling factor that softened people's hearts and made them open to the reality, Father, of your generosity to us in Jesus Christ through Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Help us, Father, to ponder these things at a deep level in our life, at a transformative level, so that we too can be God-first people. For your sake, we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, one of the uh, fun things